Good evening. Welcome to episode 82 of Le Magicast. I'm your host, Scott Munro. Um, with me today is uh, Sam Rubio. How are we? Hey, Scott. How are you? Not uh, not short of news today, huh? Oh, boy. It's been a busy day. It's been a busy couple of days, hasn't it? <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Uh, uh, Twitter's been a storm of all of this, and it's, uh, oh, God, it's a bit of an eye-opener. And also we have uh, with us is James Vass. How are we, James? I'm okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening. Yeah. Hello. I was happy to have you on because uh, we were we were short of a guest. We were supposed to have him run, but he got his times mixed up, and you kindly jumped in last minute. Yes. 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 Hopefully, I I'm on the super sub. <laughs> <laughs> the Marco Dalvecchio or the or the early Marco Vucinic. Um, yeah. Should we start with uh, Thursday? Roma 1, Ajax 1, 3-2 on aggregate. I'm not going to lie. This game aged me an extra 10 years. I don't know if it did for both of you two because the anxiety of the game and the way it was going and what was on the line, it meant that there's a potential semi-final against Manchester United, insert air quotes. We'll come on to that later on. But James, um, was this, I'll ask you the first question, was you expecting the way that Roma played for 60, 65 minutes, was you expecting that in the, in the second leg in Rome? No, absolutely not. Actually, um, like often happens, I'm, I get quite kind of emotional during the game and afterwards, and then I cool down, and then maybe a day later I'm a bit more, I, I tend to be a bit more reflective and then, you know, look at it in a bit more calmer uh from a calmer viewpoint but during I thought the first 15 minutes we did very well it was very balanced we had a good counter-attack um, which unfortunately weren't able to exploit when Pellegrini shot pretty weakly at the goalkeeper with his left foot I don't blame him too much for that because he didn't really have any options because both the uh, Jekko and there was another player steaming up from the, his left hand side didn't have um uh, weren't in a better position, so he was right to shoot, but um, didn't score. And but thereafter, really, for the next hour or so, we were basically kosh and um, suffered. I thought far too much. I mean, you know, we we. I think the possession. I think that um, Imran told me the possession statistics at the end of the first half were t- we only had twenty five percent. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Without a restart, how do you score a goal when you have the ball so, you know, unless you get a free kick or penalty kick or score from a corner kick, you're really struggling to create a chances. So, um, and, and then obviously they scored, uh, um, that pretty poor goal to concede. It was just a long pass down the center of the pitch and, uh, um, uh, Pau Lopez was a bit, um, caught in no man's land. I mean, <laughs> It's a very difficult decision, though, for him because it looked like, you know, the Ajax player was going to get to the ball first. So, but Do you think Cristante you know, could have done a little more too? Possibly, but I think that it, with hindsight, he would have been better staying on his line. But um, yeah. at the time, he maybe thought he could get to the ball before the uh, opponent. So, um, And then they got the second goal. And while, I mean, I think it was a foul... But it probably, that foul probably didn't affect on Mkhitaryan, didn't affect the subsequent play where 
Ajax scored. They probably would have scored without the foul, but technically it was a foul and it was correctly disallowed. And that seemed to, isn't it strange, These both games turned on pivotal moments and they both went our way. If you think in the first leg, there was the penalty kick that Lopez saved and then the disallowed goal that went our way in the second leg. And then things started to balance out a bit. And, uh, and of course, we got the equalizer. Again, a bit of fortune because one of the Ajax defenders slipped and Calafiori was able to go past him and cross the ball, got the deflection and... Jekko scored. So the the key incidents in both legs probably went our way. Um, however, we did defend, you know, very, very well. I mean, there was an in-shot in the first half that Ajax had when Lopez gave the ball away relatively early on <laughs> and Yara getting a brilliant interception in. The ball <laughs> was going in. So we really did defend, I think, very well. And uh, I suppose that ultimately was what took us through. You know, that, you know they could only score two goals despite all the possession they had. Yeah, I think at the end they had 70% possession um, Ajax, but only created... 71-29 yeah, and they only created, I think it was just two or three chances in the second half which evidently, as you said, was the goal, and then there was the disallowed goal and then they brought on like Idrisi Traore, Mohamed Kudos and they had Brian Brobby and that along with David Neres and Dusan Tadic, that's a four, basically they were playing like a 4-2-4, and Roma started to defend really well in the last half an hour. So Ajax, I don't think Paolo Lopez had anything to do in the last 25, 30 minutes. Um, Sam, I'll come to you. We talked about him last week. I'm going to talk about him today. We had the good Paolo Lopez last Thursday in Amsterdam. We got the bad Paolo Lopez in Rome, didn't we, on Thursday night? Yeah, you never go, you never know what you're going to get with Paul Lopez. And that's where, you know, we go back to not giving you that sense of confidence because, you know, sometimes he's really good with his feet. So he is, but sometimes he just gives the ball away just on a play where you're like, you know, you clear the ball or, you know, that goes back to the, you know, it, the idea, that's, that's the idea of the team. That's how they want to play, right? That's how they are prepared to play. And sometimes Paolo Lopez maybe falls in the moment and he just wants to go and just wants to play like that. But you have to be able to recognize the mistakes are happening like every match or maybe every other match. You know, it's a little too much with him. And that goes back to the confidence that everybody loses with him. Yeah, James, I could ask the same question about about Paolo Lopez to you. Um, We got the good last week in Amsterdam because he was blocking and saving everything. And we got the bad with the indecision and the nervousness when Ajax were pressing and then he was trying to play the ball out. Um, how did you feel he performed on Thursday night? Well, yes. I mean, I think um, I think the, 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 what was critical on Thursday was that we defended so well, um, particularly Diara. It really does improve our defending. He's like a screen to the defence. And, um, and uh, so I think uh, um, with the performances of and Cristante, we... Um, uh, we were able to protect him. So mm. I think potential uh, problems with Lopez, you know, they, he wasn't exposed that much. Um, but later in the game, I think the substitution of Mayoral was really um, important because he was, he, through his mobility, his technique, he was able to hold the ball, run with the ball, create space, you know, um, exploit spaces that Ajax were leaving. And uh, I think that was um, 
a, a big part of the reason why the game like, tilted more towards us in the closing stages. And we were able to hold on, you know, relatively comfortably, as you were saying. You know, they didn't create that many chances despite all the attacking players they had on the pitch. So, um, yeah, I think Mayoral made uh, quite a difference when, when he came on for Dzeko. Yeah, I tend to agree with you because he's, he's a little bit younger. I think Mayoral maybe 22 or 23 in Dzeko. I think he's the same. He's a year older than me, so he's 35. And he, he looked a little bit tired at the end, but Mayoral, when he came on, he, like he was getting Roma further up the pitch when they needed it. And it was excellent game management bar one incident when Rick Karsdorp decided to go absolutely gung-ho right near the end and then Gianluca Mancini had to cover him. That's also what I wanted to talk about next. Um, so Mancini potentially could miss the semi-final because he got booked in the in the second leg, thanks to Anthony Taylor, who, for me, I don't know, for both of you, had a bit of a gentle shocker. He's not one of the best referees here in England. Um but yeah, I don't know if this if this game does go ahead, we will talk about the European Super League a little bit later on. Gianluca Mancini is going to be a massive loss, isn't he, James? Yeah, I mean that really. Well, and the way he was, um, I mean, he was pretty angry with the foul. I think it was on Pellegrini that wasn't penalised. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but you know, in that situation, when you're right on the edge, you know, you're getting towards the end of the game and you're still one yellow card away from a suspension, It was I was, re- well, really annoyed with him. But he got it for, you know, it wasn't like a tackle that maybe stopped an attack or something. It was a, you know, a comment to the referee. The sense yeah. It was strange. Sand, it's a yeah. discipline than that, really, I think. And, uh, I mean, I forgive him because he's great. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so... And, of course, um, we don't know how Chris Smalling, you know, will Chris Smalling be fit? Because that's going to be, we need one of them. I mean, we, we're going to be really stretched if Smalling and Mancini uh, are both unavailable for that game. So if we recover Chris Smalling, that will mitigate. You know, I don't know what sort of form he's going to be in. He's still a bit rusty because obviously he uh, hasn't played for a while now. A month or two. So, um, yeah. So, so we desperately need Chris Smalling back, as we're not going to have Jennifer Mancini. Yeah. Would um, if Marsh Kambula's fit, would he not fit in, or do you think they could probably put Rick Carsdale put right centre half, and then put Bruno Perez at right wing back, and then if Leandro Spinazzola is fit, they probably st- stick him in his natural position. There's a lot to tinker, isn't there? There is, yeah. Uh, um, Calafiori as well, uh, if he would come into the reckoning. I mean, Kumbula, I've sort of overlooked Kumbula, really, but I don't know what his status is, whether how close he is to returning. So, mm. But obviously that was another massive boost if uh, Kumbula was, uh, you know, could make that game. Um, but uh, both will have to wait and see, see what the uh, situation is over the next week or so, you know. Yeah, my final thought on this game, I wanted to ask both of you this, both of you, of this, of this player. Um, Sam, I'll come to you first and I'll come to you, James, after. Um, Brian Cristante, um, he's been much maligned in the past and rightly so. He hasn't really performed 
uh, in the midfield. But in this libero role in the centre-back, he's really, really performed him. And one of Roma's standout players, probably in 2021. Do you think he deserves more... Do you think he deserves more credit, Sam? Yeah, he gets a lot of stick though because of um, individual mistake. He was part; he's mm. been part of those individual mistakes that we've talked on in past episodes, right? So he's. Been, I, feel, yeah. I feel like he's been protagonist in quite a few of them. But overall, I think Fonseca likes him because of his vision. He's got good, yes. a bunch of good long passes to our forwards, and and you know, especially since with this style of football that Fonseca has been, at least in my opinion, has been trying to play lately, which is. More of a, instead of taking initiative with the ball, more of a absorbing pressure and hitting on the counter, right? I feel like right. in the last few weeks he's been doing that. And, and those long passes, and I think uh, Cristante fits that situation. And remember, he's not a player that naturally fills a center-back position, right? In Atalanta, he was scoring goals, playing in the uh, attacking midfielder. Now he, yeah, he's been going time. back in the field. So you got to give him some credit. You have to take that into consideration as well. Yeah, and James, do you think he's like deserves a bit more praise? I will uh, do a little bit of a point. His ball to Mkhitaryan to bring Roma up the pitch to for Roma's equaliser. It took out six Ajax players. I saw a screenshot and I've seen the clip plenty of times afterwards. It's, that was an outstanding bit of play. It just literally cut Ajax apart and got Roma further up the up the pitch. But yeah, do you think Cristante deserves a bit more credit? Yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, that's not the first time that's happened. You know, where he's where he's played a really long raking, spin pinpoint accuracy, and it's got us into an attacking situation from right from the back. Um, I was very much opposed to buying Cristante at the time back in 2018 and I um I've, I and I've not cha- and I hadn't changed that uh, my opinion about him in what I've seen of him since then but I was only thinking yesterday during and and of course there are still some maybe lapses like if you think of the equalizer that Raspadori scored against us for Sassuolo near the end mm-hmm. of the two to um on Easter Saturday um he was he didn't cut the the the, the pass out to the centre of the penalty area. He didn't cut that out when he should have done. So he's not, you know, maybe Smalling or Mancini would have intercepted that. But but he does, I mean, it is remarkable. I was only thinking yesterday, this is remarkable, this transformation in this player who I have never particularly, you know, uh, rated. And, and he seems to be almost like um, reinventing himself. And I just wonder... Um, I mean, there aren't many precedents for this, are there, where players go to a different position? I mean, OK, you can say maybe some players move from full-back to the centre as they get yeah. older and they more accomplished, like Paolo Maldini, players like that, very accomplished. But they're, they're, in, they're still in their same zone of the pitch. We're talking about a player that Sam just said was made his name as an attacking midfielder, scoring goals at Atalanta, and is now basically holding our defence together. Um, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. But to answer your question, yes, I think he deserves a lot of credit. And, you know, uh, presumably we have to give credit to Fonseca as well for, uh, you know, managing that. Yeah, I think he saw the vision in the Coppa Italia game in 2020 against Parma. I think that's when we first saw it. He went to a back three, and or I think I was scratching my head thinking, why has he stuck Cristante there? And now we're reaping the rewards. And also, 
him swearing in English against to Anthony Taylor. I'm not going to lie. I've I've watched that clip about thirty or forty times. <laughs> I think I sent it to you, Sam. On um, I think I sent it to both WhatsApp groups that we we have on this for the Magic Cast. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just saying that um, with Cristante, you still see the individual errors, as as James rightly said for the the Raspadori game. And I'm going to talk about the next game in, in the Torino. But yeah, totally agree with both of your points that. The transformation of him playing as like a number 10 and then playing as a number eight and then playing as a defensive midfielder in some games last season to be, now be playing as a centre back. It's just, it's just, it's, it's unrecognisable. And Fonseca has to be given credit. And we have missed Cristante in games this season where Roma struggled away. And I'm thinking, especially at Benevento, where we drew nil nil when we missed his vision because his vision gets Roma up the pitch and it gets us into those attacking areas where we can be more dangerous. But yeah, totally agree with what both of you are saying on, on Brian Cristante. Uh, from the good to the ugly of yesterday, uh, Torino 3, Roma 1. Oh boy, this was a, this was not good viewing, was it, James? It was just a horror show from probably 10 minutes in to the end when Roma were put out of their misery when Thomas Rincon scored right at the end. It was just not a very good performance, was it? No, not at all. I mean, when you think Torino had, I think, about 24 shots or something, of which... 27. 27, was it? And about 11 were on... Yeah. I mean, a team lying in 17th position, I think, at the start of the game anyway. And, um, yeah, and I I think... um, I was a bit bemused by the selections, why he rotated so much. Because, I mean, I still believe that Serie A is still important in that, that even if qualif- well, <laughs> qualifying for the... That request, <laughs> so that's correct to say that. We'll, we'll maybe come on to that. But, you know, it's still important to sixth place, which Lazio occupy, will give you Europa League football next season. So and it will be better than playing in the conference league, the new conference league, which will be seventh place, uh, will qualify you for. So um, I was a bit bemused why so many. Um, I mean, Gianluca Mancini. You know, I I tend to think if you were going to rest players, maybe it was better to rest them against Atalanta because that's on Thursday because that's a game that maybe you've got less chance of winning. Whereas if if we'd won yesterday, we'd be just one point behind Lazio, and um, and. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I was, and, and the whole performance seemed, I mean, obviously, you know, there, there's probably going to be some um, element of fatigue after playing, you know, we are in April now and had that intense game against Ajax three days before. So, um, but yeah, the whole performance was disjointed and, um, and we wasted, you know, we were really wasteful. If you think, it, certainly in the first half, I mean, it's quite, Conceivable. I know Torino missed chances, but we could have scored at least three goals in that first mm-hmm. half. I mean, we we made and the often the problem was Pedro getting into a good position and um, you know mistaking the final pass. You know, either um, through not being accurate enough or or overhitting the pass, and and that was re- and you could see some. People like Perez and uh, Mayorel got quite frustrated at times, you know, made good runs into good potential scoring positions and the ball never arrived. And um, that was really interesting because if we'd scored 
probably another goal in the first half, it might have been a completely different game in the second half. Yeah, do you think, like, the, I think it was two, maybe three counter-attacks where Roma were under siege and could have been, it, that first half, it could have been 5-4 <laughs> with all the chances that Torino were missing. Do you think, I think it was two counter-attacks where Pedro took one shot and it was blocked. Then he dallied on a ball and was it Voyage Van, Voyage Diver, the, the right back got in, or it might have been Mandragora who got in with a last ditch challenge. Um, Sam, we talked about Pedro again. He's flattered to deceive. Do you think he has a future in Rome past the summer? I think he's tied up with a couple, with at least a couple more years. I don't. I yeah. think Pedro plays and he tries hard but whenever the play doesn't it's not successful he is okay you know i've shown everything in the world i want everything i'm gonna keep trying but i don't really care that's how i feel like with him um mm. a little too cool you know show a little bit more passion show me a little bit more i know you're trying hard but just a, that little extra is missing i don't know uh again he's he's won everything he's won everywhere he's gone um so you know, uh, I don't. I I think it's gonna be. I think most Roma fans don't want him past this summer. I don't know if you guys are mm. with me on that. I think before the year, before the so this year, twenty twenty. I don't think he's been at his best. When he first arrived, he was outstanding and uh, scored that wonderful goal against Udinese and we did a podcast about it straight after. Professionalism and you know he's going to give you his consistent work he's going to give you but I mean that was what the first month six weeks of the season and that's it. Yeah James what's what's your opinion on Pedro do you think that he's, he's flattered to deceive in the last three four months and do you see a future for him in Rome past the summer? Yes and no. I think he has flattered to deceive, and I don't see a future for him. I would say, though, I think it was a gamble worth taking. So when yeah. you look at his his resume and what he's achieved, and the fact that he did, you know, we do have who've never won anything, you know, um, uh, and you know, bringing that winning mentality, a bit like Chris Smalling in a way, with players who have won the biggest competitions. I mean, Pedro's won virtually might have won everything there there is to win. And I think that so, so I think it was a gamble worth taking, but um I think we've reached the point where we have to admit it it uh, we lost the gamble. So um I would expect if if the kind of information we're getting out of um out of the media about the strategy that Pinto is going to try and uh, and the Friedkins are trying to gonna pursue you know, more move towards uh, maybe higher transfer fees, lower contract values, younger players. Then <clears> I would be surprised if um, you know he 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 featured in that. I mean, how easy it might be to move him on is another question. But probably um, I think that they're not going to try and they're not counting on him too much at the moment. So you know, looking forward, yeah. Yeah, it just seems he's a, a, a yard slower than everyone else. Um, I don't know if it's the, the dis- decision making. Sorry, uh, like yesterday, as you said, James earlier, that there was a couple of chances where he could have squared it to uh, Bochemaya out or Carlos Perez, and he took the wrong option. I just wondered if his bad form is is coming to fruition where he's doubting himself. 
it is astonishing how he keeps taking like the wrong decisions mm. I mean, and doing things that he in his career he almost could do you know um with his eyes closed you know easy for him relatively easy passes you would say um so um yeah i mean obviously there there, there is a point in players careers where they start to deteriorate it's just a natural process um when they get to a certain age it'll be different for each player but um so yeah so um but i do think looking back i think we can say it was you know it was um it it it, it was a reasonable decision to you know to to gamble on him and but it doesn't seem that it's going to um you know, and he has had chances. It's not like he hasn't had well, opportunities. He's putting himself in the position to make the wrong decision. Mm. I mean, he's still doing that, you know. That's but true, he's yeah. just not giving you the, the, the extra precise ball. Like, like you said, I think he's starting to decline, maybe. Uh, my, final qu my final point on that, do you think he's found Serie A a bit tougher than he thought, coming from the Premier League, where it's 150 mile an hour, um, like he's won things with Chelsea and you come into Serie A where it's more tactical, more tactical now and it's a bit more flexibility. Do you think he's found it a bit tougher? I just wondered if you, like both of you would, would agree with that. I'm not so sure because um, as Sam said, you know, he does get into good positions like yesterday. Mm. He was able to lead the play, you know, uh, launch, you know, uh, receive the pass when the pass came to launch a counter-attack. And, I mean, possibly, it is possible that, you know, the, 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 the emphasis and the um, coordinated way in which Serie A teams do defend has been a problem that, you know, maybe a few years ago he might have been able to, um, you know, unlock that, unlock those defences. And he hasn't, and now he's unable to do that. That could be a problem. But, um It's almost unbelievable sometimes. I sometimes watch him and think, I can't believe you're making these mistakes. But, um, but so it could be a combination of factors. Um, but um, that could be, yes, maybe he did underestimate um, the, the, the sort of things that he was going to face when he came to Italy. Yeah, but you also don't, you also get players like Lukaku, right? That they have no transition periods, they just fit right in. Yes, oh god, true. yeah, he's he's fat. He's, sorry, he's fitting at Inter. I think it's it's down to the coach as well and how they play him. Like Lukaku's taken to Serie A like a duck to water, and he's odds on to be the cap on Cagliari this season. And it's just he's been in unbelievable form. But yet, yeah, maybe do you think he's uh, doubted that it, this league was like another league that he could conquer? Maybe they'll realize and meet with Roma and say, "Listen, this hasn't worked out. Let me go some. Let me go maybe to the Spanish league and do something for a mid-sized team. I don't know. Hopefully, they yeah. find an agreement. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. That at the end of the season, there was a mutual decision for him to transfer some, you know, elsewhere. Yeah, I can. I could see that happening in the summer. Um, my final point on the game. Antonio Morante didn't um, didn't have the best of games. Um, I just wanted to think uh, on both of your. How do you think he performed in the game? Technically, I think he was at fault for two of the goals. The first two, um, you come out like Superman trying to punch the 
the ball from the left from Ansaudi's cross, but Sanabria snuck in just before him, and then for the second goal, parried it out to Zasa. And I think a few chances in the first half, he was wasn't great in saving them, and one nearly went in. Um, Sam, he didn't have the best of games, did he? No, not at all. But um, I don't think Roma is going to renew his contract, so I think this is the last yeah. matches that we're going to see of him. Which is was uh, not what I thought at the beginning of the season. I thought he, and I, we, I know we've talked about it here. I thought he. Um, he could have uh, been, you know, a good, uh, a decent backup going forward. You know, even a third goalkeeper, kind of like Lobont, you know, he could have been a good uh, person to have with a lot of experience. But again, it's one of the players that uh, hasn't worked out in Rome. Now, um, James, do you feel that he was at fault for a couple of goals yesterday? And as Sam says, I don't think he's going to get renewed at the end of the season. Um, do you think that could potentially be his last game for Roma? Be, yes, and I was really surprised that he started because he, I don't think he played well all season. And I remember against Atalanta in Bergamo and um, against Juventus back in the Olympico right at the start of the season, the same thing happened. Any cross into the penalty area, he really struggles, um, particularly when he comes for them. You know, I don't know why he doesn't stay on his line more because he often misses the ball. And uh, that that first goal yesterday was a classic example of that, and um, and and he, you know, that th- th- this was just waiting to happen. You saw in the first game that um, he made a meal of uh, uh, some of the uh, shots he had to handle, and the one of them actually went through him, as you said, yeah. and, and went over the goal line. You know, it just uh, just managed to get enough of his body behind it to stop it going in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was really, I, I just didn't understand why uh, Mirante started because you know I understand it's obviously to do with protecting Lopez from the injury, but I mean, goalkeepers, you know, you have to be pretty unlucky. That I know that <laughs> we have our fair share of injuries, <laughs> and um, <laughs> but you have to be pretty unlucky to get a goalkeeper injured. So I was bemused by starting Morente um, yesterday and actually the previous week at end against uh, uh, Bologna. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think Morente, you know, is uh, shouldn't be given any renewal and uh, should leave at the end of the season. And I hope he doesn't. And so, so I don't think he's been very impressive all season when I've seen him. Um, so, uh, yeah. I do think the Napoli game three days after Diego Maradona's passing, I think that, that might have dented his confidence because, was it two, maybe three of the goals were maybe his fault? Um, the first one from Insigne was just absolutely magnificent and there was no need, and he had no uh, part of getting that. But I think the next two or maybe three were down to him because he had a bit of a, uh, I think maybe in the third goal where he just totally misjudged it. And I think he may... I think that's Mayer's dented his confidence and that's when Paul Lopez came in and, and, and done really well, but then had odd moments. Um, let's get to the fun, shall we, guys? The European Super League. <laughs> oh, boy, that was the announced maybe five minutes after Juventus lost to Atalanta. A penny thought uh, Andrea Agnelli's thoughts when that happened. Um What's your guys' thoughts on it? James, I'll start with you. Um, well, I, I oppose it. 
um, uh, on the grounds that it's, um, you know, it is closed. It's not within, this is uh, the difference to other competitions like the Champions League, the Europa League and so on. You know, it is a closed league, at least, you know, in its, basically, it's, it's a, we're talking about a closed competition where clubs will have um, uh, um, guaranteed, you know, they'll be able to stay in it, guaranteed irrespective of sporting performance. So it completely violates all what we know and understand about, um, you know, you, 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 you qualify for competitions, you get promotion based on what you do on the pitch. And, um, and that's why Atalanta being in the Champions League, obviously we'd love to be in the Champions League instead of Atalanta, but we accept that Atalanta outperformed us last season and probably this season. And, uh, you know, if they finish in the top four, they deserve to play in the Champions League. And there's no way Atalanta are going to be involved in this uh, um, uh, uh, proposed Super League. Um, and also, it kind of, the incentive, if you think about it, Atalanta has been a real, like, example, model almost for many clubs in Serie A with, um, you know, they have their own stadium now that's going to be finished shortly. They've done great work with their academy. They've um, really played some outstanding football. And, um, and you know, that won't, or that's much less likely to happen where if, if they don't, you know, they're not able to receive the rewards from what they do on the pitch, you know. So, um, so I'm completely against it. And um, it's just been astonishing the, well, I'm not surprised, but it, it, it's been quite breathtaking, I would say, the, the amount of opposition and the strength of opposition. And on that basis, I think, you know, I don't think, um, I think it's also incompatible with the National League. So I don't think, uh, for example, the clubs involved from Italy can continue, it's, it's, it's uh, viable that they carry on playing in Syria. So, um, yeah. And mines the Champions League and the Europa League, which I yeah I sorry sorry Joe so I asked this because potentially we're playing Manchester United in the Europa League semi final, and they are one of is it six the top six in England, sorry the one of the twelve sorry that are in the group for this breakaway league, and I think we were talking pre pod that. You said there's something fr- on Friday that could come out, and if this does come out, that the, the clubs that are in the twelve and they're in the if they're in the the semi-finals of the Champions League and the Europa League, they could be like expelled. So would we be seeing a Roma Villarreal final? Well, that's potentially on the cards, and. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, of course, we'd all like to get there on the pitch, you know, that's what you want to do. But um, this is such a threat to the fabric, if you like, of football that, um, uh, um, that you know, I, I think in some ways it's, it's, um, it's the, the, you know, there is some, I would support that decision, you know. And um, it would be quite remarkable, for, obviously, for Roma to benefit. Because if you think about it, historically, we've always felt we haven't, um, we haven't, we've always had a bit of a, like, we've had very difficult draw. You know, generally, I know sometimes they vary. Over the, overall, I think, by and large, if there's a difficult teams to draw, we will draw them. 
Like, if you think we had a difficult draw in the quarterfinals, and then in the semi-final, we had the most difficult draw. And we, I don't think many people, Roma fans were surprised at that. And um, so if something did go our way, I think we'd take it, you know. But, um, but yeah, we'd sooner do it on the pitch, of course. I think we can all agree on that. But but th- there is a potential for, a, yeah, a VOL Roma final. Um, yeah. Uh, Sam, I just wanted to ask you, um, what's your thoughts on it? It's, it's For me, it's greed. Um, I do think that the coronas, coronavirus pandemic we're in, and hopefully we're at the end at, has probably speeded things up a little bit. Uh, I know Andre Agnelli has thought about this for quite a long time. I'm just wondering, do you, do you tend to agree what I was thinking and, and what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree with both of you. I am totally against it on, on the basis of greed and on the basis of it kills uh, promotion by merit. It, it it kills everything that, you know, they're trying to make it basically the NFL, you know, without promotion and relegation oh, yeah. and they control everything, you know, then try to Americanize the whole situation and I, I don't think I don't think football should stand for that. I mean this is really like ten, twelve owners, Florentino Perez, Agnelli, a few others, you know, against really what everybody else thinks is right. You know, this is totally wrong. Yeah, it's just I think the timing of it could have been not the best. Like this came minutes after Juventus who Andre Agnelli is a part of lost one nil to Juventus. Uh, sorry, to Atalanta. Sorry, and the timing of it is is, is very poor, um, especially when you've got European competitions coming to the end of its of its reign this season. UEFA yeah. trying to try to come back with a new system, right? For 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 yes. a way of playing the UEFA Champions League that they're going to start thing into twenty twenty three twenty four, which for, which yes. looks like more of a league kind of system, more than like a knockout round, right? Yeah, but you still yeah, have to I saw that today. Sorry, James, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, since so you still have to qualify for that, of course, via oh yeah, national- exactly. That that's the crucial thing. That it is one you know, you do it on the pitch, and um, uh, I tell uh, what really interesting, of course, is if we were lawyers in this and you get involved in this, I think you're going to make this is quite crazy, a bit of- crazy for the free things, right? Uh, this drama. Let's say, let's think about teams that are on the crisp or, or like want to become like the top in the world. Like in, in Italy, yeah. it'll be what Roma, Lazio, maybe nowadays Atalanta, Napoli. and Spain, it'll yeah. be whom Valencia probably or Dortmund. You know what? What do you do for those teams? What there's no hope for them? Like what? You know that this is terrible. The potential for a top four in Serie A next season, or oh, to go into the Champions League, could be Atalanta, Napoli, and the two Roman clubs with Sassuolo, Hellas Verona, Hellas Verona, sorry, and Sampdoria. Maybe Bologna for the Europa League, and then in Spain you'll what have Valencia, Sevilla, Real Betis, Villarreal. It will be what Dortmund, Red Bull Leipzig, and Bayern. Borussia Mönchengladbach in Germany, and like, yeah, it's just in England. It's, it's like Leicester, West Ham, Leeds. <laughs> so it's basically uh, those so-called founding fathers telling women, yeah. "Listen, screw you. We're bigger than you." Yeah, it's just like a, a big middle finger to to football. And I did see a banner 
I'll just find it here. Um, someone shared it on social media, if I can get my pin. Um, created by the poor, stolen by the rich. I think that pretty much you nails think, it you right on the head. think players to play for their national uh, teams in, to represent their country will have an effect on, on the players having a problem with this? Or the millions will win after all, because the, the, the <sighs> contracts of those players on the so-called founding fathers are, are unbelievable, the numbers that I'm seeing on Twitter. Sorry, James. No, I think fail, and I think we underestimate, or maybe some people who are looking at these numbers you're talking about, underestimate the strength of the, you know, the football system as we know it, you know, um, And uh, I think that the, um, you know, the, that, that strength and all those years, the history that, 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 um, that it's able to draw upon will still be more attractive than something that basically has no history, you know, and, and is created not with the intention of um, sporting competition, but of an elite that can't be challenged. You know, I mean, I just wonder how attractive it's going to be in the medium to long term i mean it'll have novelty value at the start that's i think probably almost certain but how sustainable will that be you know going forward <sighs> who knows yeah i think with the greed the money of it i think it could go on for a while um as some and both of you james said it, it does feel americanized for me um I think, as, as you said, James, the novelty will wear off, but how, how far down the line that will that be? Founder fathers don't get relegated, right? You're like so yeah. good, like you have so many millions. Okay, don't get relegated on the pitch, you know? Yeah. I was just going to say, James, um, are you a cricket fan? Uh, uh, not not really, to be honest. I, oh, okay, I was, just, I was just going to make, make the point this um This feels like 1970s World Series cricket where Kerry Packer come in and just like bought the best players from West Indies, Australia, England, and like did like a tournament. And it just feels like that. Um, but yeah, like you guys said, it does feel very Americanized, like American baseball, like MLS. There's no relegation. There's no like promotion. You've got like, Well, especially with MLS, you get franchise sides, don't you, Sam, where you can, like, more franchise sides come you, in you year after franchise year. franchise owners that basically yeah. with a commissioner and they control everything that happens in that league, really. That's what the Super League sounds and looks to me, like the Agnelis and the Florentino Perez of the world that want to just get together and control everything. Uh, my final point – sorry, sorry, James. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead question what happens to a team towards the bottom of the table towards the end of the season is that, that, that if there's no relegation there's no relegation but the, they have the nothing. draft system so they get to choose first the best uh, players coming out of college on all these different sports what you usually have super athletes coming every year right so you get you have the best chance of getting the best athlete because you're choosing but higher on the draft in that season where they're towards the bottom of the table they just play out their games effectively as like pretty meaningless fixtures don't they yeah yeah, yeah. this is listen yeah. i'm a dolphins fan whoever knows football here you know dolphins <laughs> are been stuck in mediocrity for the last since dan marino retired for the last 20 years basically where they lose the first six games 
And it's better to lose the last six, you know, to choose a good player coming out of college. And now you decide to win the last seven. So you're a six and seven or six and nine. You know, you ended up picking in the middle of the pack. So, you know, that, that, that's how it works. But how, how do you implement that? How do you talk about that into, into the Super League? You know, the, the, what they're doing is totally wrong. It's totally wrong. Could you see? Could you see a draft happening in Super League? From where? Like the best, the best, uh, the best uh, young players from the non-Super League clubs? Like I don't see. But if there's yeah. not going to be affiliation over there, it's everything is so crazy right now. In you know. True. Um, my final I, question on this. I can. I will foresee. See. Oh, sorry, James. Just to say, I can foresee players not actually transferring out back into. Like the real world, so to speak, you know, um, for two reasons. One, because they don't like, you know, all the hostility that the fans have and, and uh, towards um, uh, the Super League. And secondly, they want to play international football. So yeah. um, I can't underestimate that. So I could see, I'm not sure they're going to have the monopoly on the best players. Um, uh other people might disagree with that, but I think I think there's a genuine chance that they don't monopolise. Just like now, people say the Premier League in England has all the best players, but it doesn't because the, the, arguably the best four players, um, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, and Mbappe, don't play in the Premier League. So they don't have them. They have very good players, of course, you know, plenty of good players, but they don't have the monopoly. And I think something similar will happen here. They might. Depending on, I mean, they might, I don't know, but they might tend to, players towards the end of their career, maybe who who have retired from the national team, you know, we've seen that in various cases where players, like Totti, famous example, won the World Cup and then retired from the uh, Zuri, um, you know, they, they, they might get players like that who don't really rely so much on international football. But younger players who want a career, you know, who want to play for their country in a major championship competition um you know they might struggle to attract those if they can't then play in the um you know for their country we're almost finished i reckon i was just going to make one like final point about this um could you see like Serie A, la liga bundesliga like have less teams than it is now could you see Serie A going to 17 18 teams which they have been talking about for about 10 years now james well, i'll start I with think- you I've been an advocate of this for a long time because at the moment we have 20 clubs in Serie A. So we have to play three or four midweek rounds in the league season. It's scheduled around at the end of April. So that means any Italian club reaching the semi-finals of the Champions League or the Europa League has to play five consecutive midweek games at the end of April, beginning of... Which is obviously, you know, far from ideal. And also, you would get, um, it was an interesting, someone looked at, um, uh, if you reduce the league to 18 clubs, towards the end of the season, because there's obviously fewer clubs, most teams would have um, uh, more to play for right at the end of the season. So you'd improve the product. You know, you'd make the games more competitive towards the end of the season. So um, I think if, if, if that happens, that is a, a positive step and you also improve your own product when you're going may potentially head to head with the Super League with sponsors, broadcasters, you know, and the viewing public. 
God, yeah. Um, Sam, what are your thoughts? Do you think La Liga, Serie A and Etal all have, do you reckon we could go back down to 18 teams in Serie A? I remember the Premier League when it was 22 uh, teams or to, to 24 when I started watching football in 93, 94. Um, so, yeah, do you think there'd be like, do you think you can see Serie A going back to what it was in the early 2000s, back to 18 teams? Um I think that having less teams, you have the opportunity to make it more competitive too. You have you have the, the less team, the less amount of teams, the the less gap between the best and the worst. You know, so that make probably because it makes it more competitive. Uh, yeah, I can see that happening absolutely. Yeah, I think it's been like most presidents, and I think most fans have been clamoring for. A, an 18 team league for quite a long while to go back when it was in the probably early to mid nineties and early two thousands where it was 18 teams and it was more competitive. Um, the sorry if you hear that. Years, a, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was a, a lot better. Sorry if you heard that as a dog barking outside, if anyone heard, hears that. Um, but uh, yeah. So I just wanted to ask you guys about that. And I think we've pretty, pretty much wrapped everything up on what we wanted to talk about. Um, guys, thank you for joining me on this Monday uh, Monday evening, especially with the connections that we've been having. I think this has cut out about four or five times as we try to record this on this Monday evening. Uh, James, have you, um, how we how can we follow you on social media? Uh, well, um, uh, I don't post an awful lot or tweet an awful lot, but at Ill Roadrunner is my Twitter. Uh, that's fine if you don't need to post on social media. That's not a problem. It it, it can get quite toxic, as it has today, especially <laughs> with, with the news coming out. Oh, God, open up Twitter today to see the news coming out. Oh, boy. Um, Sam, how can we follow you, and how can we follow your Spanish Roma podcast? Oh, very cool. Uh, my Spanish Roma podcast is Planeta Roma, uh, Planeta Underline Roma, my personal account, Samuel Ruby ninety nine, and I'm not very active. I'm probably more active than James, but not as active as you. Um, and you know, the one topic that we haven't discussed yet uh, is, and we're interested to wait and see what it is. Is uh, Roma's stand on the whole situation? You know, because we will oh, yes. get to hear the club making a statement. So that'll be interesting to see uh, those developing news. Uh, oh. Yeah, silence is golden at the moment from Roma. I will quote Ari Gold from Entourage about that. Silence is golden, so nothing has come out of Rome yet, has it? Nothing yet. Nothing, so, nothing we'll at the all. The Fritkins are probably like, what mess did we get into? <laughs> it's, it's been a fun year for them, especially coming into football, <laughs> coming into join Roma at that time. Um, you can follow me on, on Twitter, it's at Scott underscore Monroe. Uh, you can follow La Magicast at La Magicast. You can follow us on all, actually, you can listen to us on all uh, platforms of podcasts. So you've got Podbean, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anything you listen to, Apple we can podcast, be on there. Apple Podcast. Apple, yeah, Apple Podcast, which I listen to. And um, guys, thank you for joining me. Thank you. And as always, Forza Roma. Thank Forza you. Roma and ciao. Ciao. Ciao.